When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast, episode 98, coming to you live this week. Zach Folidor, Zach Van Uenzi here uh, to break down the week that was in Mac Sports. Folks, we're recording here on Thursday night, and uh, Vanzi and I, you know, Vanzi, we were texting the other day saying, you know, the Mac Baseball Tournament starts on Wednesday. There's two games on Wednesday. There's two games on Thursday. So if we record Thursday evening, we'll have four games to recap, and we can take a look at the you know the final you know final uh, you know final games of the tournament kicking off on Friday. Well, Mother Nature had other plans. Uh, the second game yesterday that we got the early game in Toledo Central Michigan got their game in Ball State Ohio was postponed to this morning. Then they were postponed again to this afternoon. As we sit here recording 7.15 p.m. on Thursday, that game just wrapped up about 20 minutes ago. So we'll get to baseball here at the end of the show. A lot of other stuff to get to here tonight. I'm rambling now. I'll shut up. Vanzi, how are you, man? Well, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, You know, uh, just getting over the fact that uh, Eastern Michigan lost their 2023, uh, you know, incoming uh, quarterback recruit potentially to Minnesota. Yeah. And uh, when, when I was explaining that to my coworkers today, I, I don't think they really understood why I was in a bad mood. So here <laughs> I am. Uh, yeah. I saw, I saw you tweet about that yesterday and, and I would like to get your thoughts on that here in a couple minutes, folks. We, we, we do have, um, we, we do have a couple of, uh, of, of football stories to cover here tonight. And, uh, and Vansy, I am, I am going to ask you about that when, uh, when we get there. Because I, I did obviously as a uh, as an alum there and, and someone close to the program, I did want to get your thoughts. But before we get there, Vanzi, let's do a little recap here. Uh, we had talked last week about the upcoming uh, the upcoming Mac or excuse me the the uh, NCAA softball tournament, the softball postseason. Last week we talked about the Mac tournament. Miami uh, did end up as the one seed. They did end up uh, holding serve and winning the Mac and getting that bid to the NCAA tournament and uh, Vanzi, I don't know, all things considered the, the, the you know, the Red Hawks, they, they got a win. Uh, they, they did. Uh, they lost their first game uh, to Kentucky last week on Friday, a tough outing for the Red Hawks. They're a 15 to one defeat to the Wildcats, but then pulled off the win against St. Francis in the, in the second game there for nothing before bowing out, losing, uh, losing a tough one to host uh, Virginia tech on, uh, on Saturday uh, to end their season five to four, uh, the Red Hawks let, lost to the Hokies. Vansy, though, you know, you go in, you know, softball, baseball, same setup, right? You got the, the, the regionals, four teams in each region. Miami was the three seed there in the, uh, in the Blacksburg regional. I guess that's probably what they would expect. Most folks would expect from a three seed, right? You beat, you win your game against the four seed, lose the other two, the Red Hawks bow out of the tournament in the regional round, but still, Nothing to be ashamed of here if you're the Red Hawks. You know, obviously an incredible season uh, for the uh, for, for Miami, including the win against St. Francis in the tournament, finished the season with 40 wins, 40 wins, 17 losses, and a tie. Obviously, Vanzi, they would have loved to advance, but I don't think you can be too upset if you're a Red Hawks fan about the season that their softball team just had. Yeah, a tremendous season, uh, some tremendous individual performances as well. But also at the same time, you know, I mean, when things just kind of go how they're expected to go, you know, you can't really be upset, you know, like, I mean, it would have been great to see them win, but I think if you're, you know, a Red Hawks fan, you know, it's kind of, okay. You know, kind of what, what was expected, 
But to lose five to four to the number three team in the nation, that's, you know, I mean, if you're going to go out kind of like Akron in uh, men's basketball, yeah. where they went blow for blow with UCLA, it, you know, if that's the final note in, in the final performance of this team, it almost uh, leaves a, you know, a good moral victory type of taste in your mouth uh, moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, um, you know, it, it's like, I think the, that, that first game on Friday, that 15 to one loss uh, to Kentucky, I think that it seems to me like that was a little bit of a situation of the, the, the moment getting to the Red Hawks, right? Obviously on a national stage, NCAA tournament, Miami goes up one, nothing in that game. Uh, and then Kentucky uh, excuse me, Miami. So Miami goes up one, nothing in the first inning uh, lead off home run from Carly Spade. Uh, unfortunately though, Kentucky four runs in the first bottom of the first six runs in the bottom of the second. So Miami with an early lead. And then, uh, before you even know it, you blink and you're all of a sudden you're down 10 to one, obviously that's, uh, that's not ideal. But then when you look at the game against Virginia tech on, uh, on, on Sunday, which is, uh, you know, um, by all measures, uh, you know, a better team than Kentucky, you know, Miami actually had a four, one lead in this game in the third inning. Uh, Virginia Tech with a couple of two-run home runs in the fourth to, to give you the final score there, which would end up being five to four. But I mean, this is uh, this is again, I think that performance against the, the Hokies much more indicative of this team and the season that they had than the the showing they gave us on Friday against Kentucky. Yeah, and again, I mean, if you you know if you're gonna remember this team, you know, I think it's easy to kind of look at the high points, you know, winning the MAC championship, you know, their tremendous regular season performance in the conference and, and all of that, um, you know, Kentucky, a solid team, you know, and, and when you saw the score of the Kentucky game, it was kind of like, Oh boy, you know, this could be a pretty dark, you know, run. And then, then against a very good Virginia tech team that they, they showed some fight and, and really, you know, battled and, and were in that game and hung in there. Um, you know, so definitely some some positives to take from it. Miami has established itself as the gold standard of women's softball here in the Mid-American Conference. And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, here on March 27th, you know, I'm not going to look ahead to next year, but I would expect them to be kind of, you know, towards the top of the max standings again. And one of those teams competing uh, for an NCAA tournament bid again next year uh, in the sport of softball. Yeah, certainly, certainly agree with that. The future is uh, is certainly bright for the Red Hawks. Again, no shame uh, for the Red Hawks. A great season overall, forty wins, uh, which is is a is a huge accomplishment for them. Ran away with the MAC regular season and tournament championship. So, congrats to the Red Hawks on a great season. We did have one other MAC team, uh, MAC softball team, in the postseason over this past week, and that was uh, the Bowling Green Falcons. Bowling Green went out west uh, to uh, Fort Collins, Colorado to take place in the nat or take part, excuse me, in the national invitational softball championship. Now this is a double elimination tournament, 16 teams. Uh, they came in Bowling green came in as the, uh, the 12 seed in this one. And they, I thought they performed pretty well here, Vansy two and two overall. They opened up the tournament with a seven, three win over Stephen F Austin. Uh, that second round in the winner's bracket though, a 10, two setback to Virginia. They, that put them into the loser's bracket which uh, they started off well with a 5-3 win over George Washington and then uh, bowed out of the tournament, uh, their final game, an 8-3 loss to uh, to Kansas. And so, Vansy, though, again, I mean, for Bowling Green, obviously you would have liked to advance a little bit further, would have loved to be able to finish uh, the, the season with a championship. But, I mean, again, I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of here for the Falcons. 34-21 and 21 on the season. Uh, got a couple of, of you know, fifth-year seniors uh, on the team, Sarah Gonzalez and Peyton Ham, who went out uh, on top, played really well. Uh, you know, they even in the last game against Kansas, those two accounted for uh, four of Bowling Green's seven hits and drove in all three runs. And uh, I think overall, you know, there's, there's a lot to uh, – similar to what we were saying about Miami, right? Things are pointing up for Bowling Green and the softball program there. Obviously, you would have loved to, to, to win a couple more games and, and continue your season. But I don't think, you know, winning two games in a postseason tournament, that's something to be proud of. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you, you know, one, you have the opportunity to play in a postseason, that's a tremendous opportunity, a tremendous reward. And then to come away with two victories in a postseason tournament, just uh, tremendous and, and hopefully a great experiment experience 
for those girls getting the opportunity to continue their season and, and to play, uh, you know, at a neutral site in an international tournament. Um, you know, they were by far, I would say, throughout the course of the season, the second best Mac softball program. And I think you saw that, uh, you know, throughout throughout everything we saw. So to see them play the way they did and to get two wins, I mean, Virginia and Kansas were two of the top programs in that tournament. So, you know, again, it, it kind of stuck with how you would have thought it would have went. You know, they beat Stephen F. Austin. They beat George Washington. Uh, Virginia, a very good softball program. Kansas, a pretty good softball program. So it kind of went how you expected. But again, you know, you're. it's a shame that it couldn't end on a win. But so few teams get to end their season with a victory. I don't think there's any love loss or any reason to feel down at a two and two postseason tournament record. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, I mean, we, we talked about, you know, mentioning the future being bright here for both of these teams. I mean, you look at Bowling Green, there were those two fifth year seniors that I just mentioned, Sarah Gonzalez and Peyton Ham, who obviously, yes, they, they've used up their eligibility. They're not going to be there. But there are so many other. Uh, contributors on this team that are back next year. Hannah Davies, the pitcher's a junior. Michaela Dees, uh, the outfielder, is a sophomore. Sammy Dees, a junior. Peyton uh, Delays, who is an outfielder, who uh, you might have seen her uh, her incredible catch against Kansas on the Sports Center top ten. Also a sophomore. Macy Godbolt, the catcher, a sophomore. I mean, you got a lot of uh, contributing players that are young in their career that are going to be back next year. So very much like uh, you know you, you you said, Vansy, with Miami you anticipate them being toward the top of the standings in softball next year. I would expect much of the same, uh, same for Bowling Green. So okay, uh, a great season for the Falcons and the Red Hawks, both no shame in, uh, in, in bowing out in the postseason. Obviously both of them were able to get at least one postseason victory. So overall a pretty good showing, I think for the Mac uh, in, in the uh, postseason uh, softball realm. Vansy, let's take a look at a couple of uh, football stories here. I wanted to start with uh, your, you, you mentioned a couple minutes ago, uh, Eastern Michigan, big deal that, uh, you know, you get a three-star uh, quarterback recruit uh, this recruiting cycle, Drew Viato, who uh, was, is, so he would have been, would have been a freshman next year. So class of 2023 uh, decommitted from Eastern Michigan though, as you mentioned uh, with a, uh, with a, uh, an offer, he got an offer from Minnesota. It does seem likely that that's where he might end up. What, but you, I know you said it kind of ruined your day, Vansy, uh, kind of said it tongue in cheek, but I, I'd like to get your thoughts based on your, Based on your some of your other tweets I saw around this, it doesn't seem like to you the sky is falling, even though this is obviously a guy you would have loved to have. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I mean, I, in, in no way am I, you know, have any ill will or anything towards uh, Drew Viato. Um, he follows me on Twitter. He, I hope he still does. I mean, you know, <laughs> but uh, he, he might uh, he might have said, OK, I, you know, maybe it's like your ex. You don't want to see him for a while. Um, but, uh, you know, no, no, no ill will or anything like that. Um, you know, it, it was somewhat odd because he was kind of the ringleader of this recruiting class. Other than the staff, the staff was tremendously excited about bringing him in. Um, you know, he was tweeting at a lot of the other recruits really seemed to embrace that role as kind of, you know, potentially the future of this program, uh, in Ypsilanti. And, but it seemed almost a little odd because he committed very early in a cycle, um, you know, and then he went to, I think, a camp at Ohio State and played well. Um, and then I believe this was his first Big Ten offer coming from PJ Fleck, old friend of the Mac, uh, there at Minnesota. And, you know, this is a, this is a young man who had, you know, his grandfather out at spring practice, you know, watching the, the spring practices, you know, I mean, he was very much invested. Um, I think he, the coaching staff did a tremendous job recruiting him, but his high school running back is also is already committed to Minnesota, you know? Uh So, so I just think there, there was a lot there. And I just think when you, you know, it kind of seemed like when he committed, it seemed a little early. And when you get into that camp season and some of these passers and some of these recruits, really start playing up, it, you know, I mean, it's, it's always a risk of being a Mac program that a bigger program is going to, you know, swoop in and take your guy, um, you know, again, wish him all the luck there at Minnesota, but here's the thing. You got the transfer portal and you look at EMU and, you know, they got Ben Bryant and then they got the, you know, uh, Powell now Taylor Powell coming in. 
in a couple of years ago, they had Taylor Uyghurs or Tyler Uyghurs. And I, I almost wonder if that's not going to be more the norm. Um, you know, if you look at this quarterback depth chart, uh, Austin Smith, he's a, a second year passer in the program. Now um, he might have an opportunity to take over for Taylor Powell in the future. Um, that wouldn't have been there maybe with Drew, Drew Viato. But, uh, you know, I just I almost wonder if you're going to see more and more, you know, one and done, two and done uh, transfer quarterbacks coming in. And now who's to say we sit here, it's 2022. Who's to say that Drew Viato doesn't go to Minnesota? He's on the bench for two years. Yeah. And then, then he's transferring out. You know, and I think if you were to look at the recruiting profile of a Taylor Powell are potentially whoever the uh, you know the ne- the next transfer quarterback is who comes in. I bet you their recruiting profile probably stacks up pretty evenly with Drew Viato. So you know, I mean, it's nice to get that three star recruit. Would have been the highest uh, recruited passer to commit to EMU um, out of high school since Brogan Roback, and uh, that's a name. Um, you know, but um, you know, it just, it seemed like it was very early. He hasn't committed to Minnesota. It definitely kind of seems like that is where it's going. I mean, you know, I think PJ Fleck, you know, could probably sell ice to the, to an Eskimo, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, run a boat, ski ma, go gophers, you know, the way he says that and the big 10 network loves it. So, you know, I mean, can't blame a kid for trying to go to a bigger conference. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with anything you're saying. And you do see this, you know, this summer before your senior year, you go on that, you know, the, 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 the camp circuit, you perform well, you catch the attention of some coaches. It's natural that, you know, some, some bigger offers might come along. You make a lot of good points though. Very, very well reasoned uh, thought process there, Vansy. You never know what's going to happen. Like you said, he could go up there to Minnesota and, and sit for two years and say, Hey, maybe, you know, maybe Ypsilanti ain't so bad. And, and so, Hey, well, so, well, you never know what's going to happen. So uh, best of luck to Drew as, as he continues his recruitment. Obviously, it would have been nice to get a local guy, you know, right there from Metro Detroit to, to stay home in Ypsilanti. We'll see what the future holds for him. Um, a couple other of uh, one, one other transfer story here, Vanzi. Uh, another one of these interconference transfers, uh, former Ball State wide receiver Jalen McGoy has uh, has uh, transferred. He entered into the transfer portal about a month ago and uh, just a couple of days ago committed to Central Michigan, going to head up to Mount Pleasant with Jim McElwain and, uh, and the staff up there. Obviously, they're looking to, to replace Khalil Pimpleton, who uh, those are some big shoes to fill. Jalen McGoy doesn't really have many stats that are going to jump off the page at you. Uh, only had three catches last year, but he did have 124 yards and a touchdown on those three catches. So, I mean, you do that math there. I'm not a math guy, but what is that, 41 yards a catch? I mean, he is a true deep threat. Uh, you you know, Mac fans may recall his touchdown for Ball State against Western Michigan last year, 75-yard bomb from Drew Plitt on the first play of the game, uh, really kind of set the tone there for the Cardinals' beatdown of the Broncos up there in Kalamazoo. But, Vanzi, this is a guy, three years of eligibility remaining. He's used a redshirt year. He's going to be a redshirt sophomore going up there to Mount Pleasant. And, again, you're losing a guy like Khalil Pimpleton. Those are big shoes to fill. I don't think one guy is going to do that. But a young guy like uh, McGoy who has – that, you know, barn burner speed, he could be part of the solution there for the Chippewas this year. Yeah. And one thing that, uh, that is kind of interesting, this will be his second Mac program. Um, You could say it's his third uh, because back in 2018, as a recruit, uh, March of 2018, he actually committed to Northern Illinois. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, Yep. And he, uh, he was with them until December, 2018. And then he decommitted to commit to ball state. So, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, just bringing it all kind of around, you know, a lot of Mac in there, um, local kid, Detroit, Detroit, Martin Luther King. Um, and that's a program, I mean, not to get too much onto high school football, but that's a program which has kind of closed a gap with, uh, the, the powerful Detroit cast tech, um, here in this area. But, uh, you know, Central Michigan, Jim McElwain, I mean, if you are a, uh, a young man and you, you want to play in a big offense, that's you know, about as big as you can get uh, at the MAC level. Um, you're going to get great coaching. But also they do a great job of bringing back transfer players back into the state. And Pimpleton, people forget, was a transfer who came back, you know, he was from the Muskegon area. They brought him back in. They do a tremendous job of, Hey, you know, we recruited you or maybe we didn't recruit you, but Hey, you want to come back home? Um, You know, not that, you know, I mean, Muncie and Mount Pleasant are pretty similar distances from, uh, from, 
Detroit, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's Mount Pleasant is in the mitten, so it, it counts. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And uh, the one other notable play from uh, from from Jalen's Ball State career, folks might remember, he had a fifty-yard touchdown pass in the or reception, I should say, in the in the MAC championship game two years ago, whenever Ball State knocked off Buffalo. So he does have, so he has had some notable moments for Ball State, but again, the, his stats overall, not going to really jump off the page, but I would anticipate him to be a, a part of that uh, wide receiver rotation up there in Central Michigan uh, this year. It'll be interesting to see how uh, Coach McElwain and that offensive staff incorporate him into that offense, uh, p- potential deep threat there to, to kind of you know hook up with, uh, with uh, Drew Richardson. Uh, and real, real quick, yeah. um, he, he is 6'3". Yeah, so, yeah, you know, so like, you know, you, a lot of times you think, oh man, this is a guy who's had some big plays and it just kind of, you know, you think, I mean, Tyree kill, you know, some of these smaller receivers who can just burn it down the field. Well, this is a young man who's six, three. So this is a, a fairly big body um, for a Mac receiver and uh, you know, some, somebody to keep an eye on. Also, I did just check Drew Viato as of right now is still following me on Twitter. Good to know Drew. If you're listening, man, We'd love you in the Mac. We'd love it if you, you suit up for one of these Mac programs. Um, but anyway, Fancy, one other football story here before we get into baseball. Uh, we did have just earlier today, the Mac has announced some kickoff times, the broadcast schedule uh, for the, the first three weeks of the season. And then also uh, there's, you know, there's going to be some, uh, the, the, the conference announcements will come later. They did give us some kickoff times. Not so much the TV schedule, though, for for conference play that could start, you know, end of September into early October. But, Vancey, these first couple weeks of the season, we got a number of of MAC games on national television, big stage. First night of the season, Thursday, September 1st, Central Michigan traveling down to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State. Seven o'clock kickoff on FS1. I'm sure everybody remembers what happened last time. Uh, Central Michigan went down there and, and took on the, the Cowboys with that controversial walk-off victory, Hail Mary victory there. Uh, so Central Michigan to be on FS1 that same night, Ball State traveling down to Tennessee. They'll take on the Vols on the SEC network. The next day, Friday, September 2nd, Western Michigan traveling up to East Lansing to take on Michigan State. That'll be on ESPN. Then on Saturday, September 3rd, the first full Saturday of the season, we got Buffalo taking on Maryland on the Big Ten Network. We got Kent State taking on Washington on FS1. The next week, uh, week two, Ohio and Penn State on ABC. Uh, we got a lot of, there's a really a lot of really good uh, games, a lot of really good TV spots here for the Mac, Manzi. Yeah, and uh, I mean, even going further down the, the schedule, one that really stood out at me, Saturday, September 17th, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but Toledo, the Toledo Rockets travel in state to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah. 7 p.m. prime time on Fox. Yeah. Not Fox Sports Plus, not Fox, the Ocho, whatever. Yeah. Fox. I mean, that's that's nationally televised. Um, you know, that's a tremendous get for the Toledo program uh, to potentially show some, you know, exposure. Um, you know, I, I thought that was tremendous. Um, one that I, I didn't like was Bowling Green at UCLA on a Pac-12 network. That's going to be a tough game for a lot of folks in Mac country to watch because uh, the Pac-12 network isn't readily available as much as some of these other ones. Yeah. Um, also, September 10th, Ohio at Penn State, a noon kickoff. I mean, you know, that, that might be one you're at being a Penn State guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ohio a few years ago with uh, Tettleton, they uh, they knocked off Penn State, I believe. So I was uh, in the stadium that day. I will never forget that one. Yeah, you're right. There's, I mean, there's some great ones. How about you? You mentioned that Toledo, uh, that Toledo Ohio State game. How about this, Manzi? So talk about the Mac being on a national stage. So that, that, in that, time frame time slot on that day saturday september uh, 17th you got you mentioned toledo at ohio state seven o'clock kickoff on fox 30 minutes later on espnu you have western michigan hosting defending acc champion pittsburgh in kalamazoo so you're gonna have two mac games on national tv in prime time on saturday night one of them being in a mac stadium that'll be a home game i would imagine that atmosphere up in kalamazoo is going to be rocking for that game at least i would hope so i would hope so 
there's a lot of opportunities here for uh, for the Mac. And I, I really, I, I mean, I love the exposure. Obviously, every every year we look forward to the non-conference schedule to see, you know, are we going to get a get a win against a Power Five team this year? A lot of opportunities here. And if we're the MAC is going to, you know, go out and steal one of these games, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get to see it. Yeah, another one. Uh, Kent State traveling out to Seattle and Washington on yeah. September third. That's on FS1, ten thirty. So you know, some Pac-12 after dark action there with Kent State. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, they, they, you know, it, it's fun to look at this. It's fun to start thinking of the tailgates and, and you know, going back to, you know, your different uh, stomping grounds and different venues and enjoying these games. And it's it's really fun to kind of – I'm already kind of looking at this. Oh, I can watch this game at noon, this game at 2, this game at 7, this game at 10, and kind of mapping it out. And there's a lot of great opportunities here for the MAC. Uh, to get some statement wins, to play in some big time, you know, uh, cathedrals of college football. I mean, Bowling Green's going to be in a Rose Bowl. That's going to be tremendous. Yeah, you know, it's great to see. One thing that uh, and I just got to say, really, you know, and also I got to say, I was looking at the homecoming schedule, you know, for EMU, you know, a 2 p.m. kickoff. That's about as good as you get. But one thing that I hated is you look at, you know, Northern Illinois. They open on September 1st, a Thursday against Eastern Illinois, they're on ESPN+. Plus. You look at Eastern Michigan, they open September 2nd at home. They're on ESPN3, you know, and, like, those are weeknight games kind of starting the season. I know they're against, you know, FCS schools, but I had kind of hoped that they would find their way onto a CBS Sports or or some type of um, national platform. But, you know, we'll be back in the swing of things. We'll have football and, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners will probably be at a lot of these games, um, which are on the ESPN threes and the ESPN pluses. Yeah, certainly. So it's uh, it, that is very true. I mean, you look at the schedule here and, and anyone that's interested, you can go onto the Mac website and, and, and take a look. They have the whole breakdown here. But yeah, you there is a lot of ESPN plus a lot of ESPN three on the list here, which, hey. I mean, I guess it is what it is. Beggars can't be choosers, but you're right. There, there is a lot of that on there. I do love to see, uh, you know, some of these national televised, nationally televised games. So now, <clears throat> excuse me, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, for, for the, the, the conference games, which are, you know, starting, there, there's a couple games in September, but mostly there's, those are starting at the, in early October there. Those games, the, the television schedule for those games has not been set yet. They, they have announced, for the most part, all of the kickoff times. So you can go on and, and take a look at the kickoff times. You won't have the TV information just yet, though. So um, anyway, good stuff. It does, they did give us the TV schedule for, uh, for the, 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 the Maction games, the midweek games in, uh, in November. A lot of ESPN2, ESPNU, uh, a couple games on, the, on the, uh, the original ESPN as well, CBS Sports, stuff like that. So um, go check that out, folks. You know, it's it's we sit here. It's May 26th. We're just over three weeks away or three weeks. I wish three months away from the start of football season. It seems Vansy. It seems like just yesterday we were watching Northern Illinois and Kent State play at Ford Field there in Detroit for the MAC championship. I don't know. This offseason seems like it's gone a little bit faster than normal. Usually when we get to this time of the year, though, is when it starts to slow down for me. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, though. What do you, what do you think? Like, I feel like this next stretch, uh, now that we've gotten past basketball, baseball is winding down. It does kind of feel like this is this the summer is kind of it's like the dog days of summer. Right. We're just waiting for football to get here. Well, now, I mean, you know, part of me there for a few years, it felt like the off seasons were taking forever because we didn't have that day in in mid to late July or, or, you know, whenever it was when the college football video game would come out and kind of hold. Yeah. And uh, don't even get me started on that. But I do think in the last two years, the off seasons have gone a little bit quicker because what you have is, you know, you have, okay, the bowl season's over. You have players graduating. You have players getting drafted, signing contracts you know, then boom, you have spring football and you're evaluating spring football and you're getting excited about your team. And now boom, you know, you have player acquisitions and, and, and player movement uh, through the transfer portal and you have, you know, NIL talk going on and, yeah. and you know, Lord knows we're going to have recruiting talk, you know, you're going to have recruiting talk until the end of time, you know? So 
um there's just a little bit more um you know it, it, it it's cool to see on some level but it, it is a little bit overwhelming when you have a lot of guys who are leaving and, and just moving around um but you know we are getting to that point of the year where there will not be college sports for a few months um especially in a mac landscape because i mean here are the softball and baseball tournaments once those are over you know in in june you know, you're kind of without college sports until, you know, some of these uh, smaller revenue sports start up soccer in the fall and then uh, eventually football. Yeah. You said something interesting there a couple minutes ago, Vanzi. I wanted to expound upon. You mentioned the, the NCAA football video game. You know, I, I was just talking to my buddies about this the other day. See, I, I've never been a big video game guy, but at the NCAA football video game was the one exception. I have not bought a video game system since they stopped making that game. And now that it's coming back next summer, I'm going to have to get one. There's nothing better than that game. There's nothing better than that game. I got to ask you, you go back to when that was still made, you know, 12, 2012, 13, I think four, NCA 14, I believe was the last year of it. Who was your, you're doing a dynasty on there. Aside from Eastern Michigan, you can't pick Eastern Michigan. Who was your team? Who was your go-to team? Are you a guy, would you pick a big 10 team and win national championships? Would you build someone up from the bottom and bring them to national championships? What was your go-to? Well, I, I'm a big Michigan guy. My living room is all Michigan and Eastern Michigan stuff. And uh, I would, a lot of the times I would be Michigan and, you know, do, uh, you know, a campaign with them, but also I would do, uh, you know, a lot of, I mean, a lot of times I picked Eastern Michigan, you know, yeah, I can't yeah. lie. I'd pick Eastern and I'd, you know, I'd, I'd play on like Heisman and I'd kind of build them up and I'd play like a real schedule. I'd go into the big house and, uh, you know, I remember one time I did one, uh, I was Eastern Michigan, left Eastern. I went to Oregon state, left Oregon state, went to Wisconsin. Man, those games were fun. Yeah. You know? The coaching yeah. carousel, the coaching carousel in the off season was so great. It was oh, yeah. so great seeing where you can go after. Yeah. Oh, I missed it so much. And there for a while, you had um, college, uh, you had uh, college baseball was out. I mean, that would be so much fun to play right now. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in March, I fired up my old console and I played, uh, you know, March Madness college basketball. And I'm like, man, if they could just redo this with the yeah. March Madness, it'd be tremendous. And not to go too far off topic, but a couple of weeks ago, I actually went to an autograph sighting and I had Denard Robinson sign um, a blow up picture of the cover of the last NCAA football. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, I have it hanging next to a signed blown up cover of Desmond Howard. Off of, wow. Yeah, off of, yeah. Yep. So those are uh, some of my pride and joy right now. That's great. That's awesome. And man, even just talking about that game right now has given me all kinds of nostalgia. I was, I, I love that. That was, that was, uh, that was the, the, the best video game franchise there ever was. And I, I can't wait for it to come back next summer. Uh, but anyway, folks, we got uh, some we're, after this commercial break, we'll be right back. Uh, we'll be back to talk a little baseball. Uh, got some baseball games to break down these last couple of days of the MAC tournament. We'll take a look at the matchups ahead this weekend. Stick around after this commercial break. We'll uh, be here to uh, talk a little uh, action on the diamond. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. Going to close out the show here this week uh, with some baseball talk, as we have been doing recently. Uh, so as I mentioned at the, at the top of the show here, we anticipated having uh, you know a handful, at least four baseball games to talk about here with you when we recorded tonight. But Mother Nature did have some other plans. The, the, the Ball State, Ohio game that was supposed to take place yesterday afternoon was moved to this morning. It was still raining this morning. They moved it from this morning on Thursday to Thursday afternoon. So we only had one game on Wednesday, one game on Thursday, as opposed to two games on each day. So we only got our first round games in here, but that's okay. Both games were great games. Two games so far, two walk-off wins. Uh, let's start with the game yesterday, Vanzi, Central Michigan and Toledo. Toledo had gone up to Mount Pleasant last week and 
uh, stole a game from the Chippewas. And it looked for a while yesterday, Vanzi, like they were going to do that again. Toledo uh, jumped out to a 6-1 lead in this game in the third inning. Uh, Chippewas used some some power of their own to, to get back into this one, though. Eventually ended up tying it up. They uh, Both teams scored five runs in the third. So Toledo scored five in the top of the third to go up 6-1. Central Michigan scored five at the bottom of the third to tie it back up. Uh, this was a back and forth game, Vansy. I don't know how much of it you got to watch, but I mean, it was six, six after three innings, central Michigan went up eight, six Toledo tied it up at eight, then took a 10, eight lead in the top of the ninth, but they couldn't hold on to it. Walked in two batters in the, in the bottom of the ninth and central Michigan ended up winning that one 11 to 10 Vansy. You get, you can't help, but think that, you know, if you're Toledo here, you're the force or actually, excuse me, I guess you're the three seed coming in as a decided underdog in this game. They, they lit an opportunity to get away here, Vansy. They could have pulled this off. There was multiple times in this game where they had the lead. They just couldn't close it out. And now, because of that, they find themselves in the loser's bracket. Yeah, and I, I mean, I didn't get the opportunity to watch much of it. Um, I, you know, I followed along. I was at work. I saw that you had a, a nice setup and you were watching, uh, yeah. you know, in your living room. I was very jealous of that, um, you know, but uh, is there a bigger rivalry in the MAC right now than Toledo? you know, in crushing postseason defeats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I've had to kind of like check the, the baseball staff roster there for Toledo and make sure Todd Kowalchuk or Jason Campbell weren't on the Jason candle weren't on the staff. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've, they've had some bad luck and then uh, the women's NIT where they had a, a brutal loss. So it's been kind of a, a rough go of things for, uh, Toledo. I mean, they're playing at the at the highest level athletically of a lot of schools in a conference, but they've had some heartbreaking um, results, and this is absolutely one of them. They came into this tournament, uh, you know, one of the probably you know sneaky sleepers because they have been so hot of late, and then they just uh, you know Central's a very good team, um, but they really let them off the hook, you know, and. Uh, um, you know, when you have a team down and a talented team down like that, you really need to kind of stay on it and, and, and put them down and, and finish it off. And they weren't able to do that. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the week before Central had won two out of three from Toledo and they they just kept going with it um, here in the tournament. So heart, you know, heartbreaking defeat for Toledo, um, you know, but uh, just kind of continues on that path of uh, Central Michigan and ball state. I mean, I think that's yeah. been the collision course all year and I don't think we're going to get away from that. Yeah. And especially, and especially a heartbreaking way to lose for the Rockets Vansy up again, as I mentioned up 10, eight going into the bottom of the ninth inning uh, bases loaded walk to give the, the Chippewas the, the walk-off victory tied at 10 and uh, walked home the winning run to, to give uh, Central Michigan the 11 to 10 win. So uh, that was game one. They got that game in yesterday. Ball State in Ohio was not able to be played yesterday afternoon. They got moved to this afternoon. This game just actually just wrapped up a little bit over an hour ago. And uh, Vansy, another fantastic game, another fantastic finish. Ohio, now Vansy, if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, Ohio went to Muncie and split with Ball State. Nobody else won, went into Muncie and won more than a game this year. Ohio did it twice just a couple of weeks ago. So this is an Ohio team not afraid of Ball State being the top seed in this tournament. Ball State took a 3-0 lead in this one. Ohio came back with three runs in the fourth inning to tie it up. Actually ended up taking the lead in the sixth inning to go up 4-3. But then the uh, in the, uh, the end of the day, uh, a, a two-run home run in the, the bottom of the ninth. Uh, Henry Dobbins uh, to give the the uh, the Cardinals a six four victory. So two wins, or excuse me, two games, two walk offs thus far, Vanzi. And again, I feel like what we said about Toledo, the same thing could apply here to Ohio. If you're a Bobcat fan, or if you're you know on, someone sitting in the dugout there for the Bobcats, you can't help but feel that you let an opportunity slip through your fingers here today. Ball State and Central Michigan, the overwhelming favorites in this tournament with good reason. They've been the two best teams all year. Both of them, though, easily could have lost their first game here. We'd be looking at a very different tournament if that would have been the case. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, not to get off topic somewhat, could you imagine the Mac 
if uh, if Central or Ball State do- doesn't win this uh, this MAC tournament, and uh, you know had you know these games gone different, and it could still go different down you know the next couple days, but you know you could see you know potentially especially if these games had played out with the upsets where you would see the two best teams from the Mac potentially not going uh, on to the road to Omaha. So, uh, you know, the Mac might've dodged somewhat of a bullet there, Uh, but yeah, tremendous ball game um, at ball state. So that makes it, you know, even, you know, a little more fun and all that, but these crushing defeats are kind of what makes people who follow the sport of college baseball fall in love with the sport um, because you can't just run out the clock. You have to throw the ball over the plate and you see that here in these two games. Um, Ball State, you know, I thought after they beat Central and then they they struggled a little bit against Ohio, you know, I kind of thought, okay, maybe they're, you know, coming down a little bit. And then they turned it around, you know, won the regular season title, a tremendous uh, campaign for them. And they just, you know, they this was a game where they they started off, you know, they were up 3 nothing and kind of, you know, got off the gas a little bit. Um, and then Ohio came back and took that lead. But, uh, you know, three runs for uh, Ball State in the final two innings. Um, you know, that's a team that, that you know, they're, they're showing a lot of fight, uh, not quitting. And uh, that's a tremendous victory. Um, and then Toledo Ball State, that's going to be a, a tough one uh, in the loser's bracket. Yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, you know, both again, both those teams probably feeling like they had a missed opportunity. So I'll, I'll, I'll actually, I'll be very curious to see tomorrow morning, uh, how those two teams come out, right? You have that demoralizing defeat. You always wonder how a team's going to respond to that when they come back the next day. Is that going to light a fire in their belly or is it going to, you know, maybe demoralize them to the point where, where they, they, it's, it's tough for them to respond. We look at the, the, the schedule set for tomorrow. So the, tomorrow, uh, Friday, the 27th, um, we're going to have three games tomorrow. Initially it was going to be two games every day, but again, mother nature didn't want to cooperate here. Uh, we got so three games tomorrow. So our early game tomorrow, 10 a.m. first pitch. We got Toledo taking on Ohio. Uh, that's your that's that's an elimination game, right? The loser of that game. Uh, this is a double elimination tournament. So the loser of that game, you're going home. The the second game uh, following that one will be Ball State Central Michigan, and that's going to be uh, another interesting one. Uh, obviously, top two teams in the conference, Ball State. Uh, swept Central Michigan pretty decisively a couple weeks ago. So we'll see if uh, the Chippewas have revenge on their mind. And then in game five, in the third game of tomorrow, we're going to have the winner of, of the first game. So the winner of that Toledo-Ohio matchup is going to move on to play the loser of Ball State-Central Michigan. So again, this being a double elimination tournament, uh, Ball State and Central Michigan will play tomorrow, but the loser of that game is not necessarily done for. They will take on the winner of uh, the, the early game tomorrow, and then the winner of that game will get to play uh, the, the winner of, of Ball State-Central Michigan. I know that was confusing there, but just think of it like, um, we got we got two elimination games tomorrow, and the winner of that Ball State Central Michigan game does earn their way into the uh, the MAC championship game on Saturday. Uh, what do you think, Vansy? Tomorrow, I want to get your thoughts on this Ball State Central Michigan game. Obviously, like I said a couple weeks ago, Ball State with the emphatic sweep of Central Michigan. I don't think anybody saw that coming. What do you think? Does do you think is Ball State in Central Michigan's head because of that? Does Ball State win this game tomorrow? Do you think Central Michigan with the revenge on their mind? Do you think they come out on fire? Well, you know, you want me to to put a prediction out there. I mean, we got some loyal listeners who uh, <laughs> every time I uh, I pick against the the Ball State Cardinals or, or say anything there, uh, you know, they're they're a little bit after me. So, you know, I, mean, I don't know. I, you know, I think Central is the pick coming into the season. Um, after getting swept, they got to be fired up. Um, but you know what? Hey, you know what? Ball State, write this down. After today. Um, you know, I think Ball State uh, looks a little bit like the team of destiny here in uh, the MAC baseball tournament. Um, I'll go with Ball State in that one. But you know what? I, I do want to make this point. Um, and I, I was watching some other uh, baseball tournaments. It's one of the things, you know, you don't get eliminated for losing that game. Okay. It's a double elimination. But you're talking about if you lose that game, you have to play another game that evening. Yeah. And in this setting where you're playing so many multiple games in multiple days, I know it's baseball. I know it happens, you know, but 
to turn around and to have to realign your pitching and to, to have, you know, to, you know, kind of manage that pitching, massage that bullpen and all those different things. That's challenging. So this is a big game tomorrow. You know, you want to stay, you want to avoid that extra game in the losers bracket going into the Mac championship, you know, cause just, just for the sake of pitching. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, Vanzi. And I think, I think honestly, I think that applies more to Ball State here than the Central Michigan because, first of all, Central Michigan with an extra day of rest, they didn't have to play today. But also, you look at Ball State. I mean, they used four pitchers in that game today. So, you use four pitchers today. If you end up having to play two games tomorrow, even if you win that second game tomorrow evening, you're looking at potentially a depleted pitching staff going into that Saturday, that championship game, where even if you have your best pitchers, they might not be as fresh as you would like them to be, right? So I think that that's a point that's uh, that's very well taken there. So uh, so again, we'll have the semifinals on Friday, the championship on Saturday. We'll have a full breakdown of uh, of the the later rounds. Uh, for for you next week when we when we have a chance to look back at all this really excited to to look at that all these games going to be on ESPN plus here so uh, if you happen to you know if you're looking for a reason to buy ESPN plus if you're a Mac baseball fan I don't know what better reason you could have than to to watch these games here over the next couple of days and uh, Vanzi before we close out the show here tonight we wanted to finish up with uh, we got the uh, the all conference teams announced uh, the the you know the awards the postseason awards all that type of stuff. And uh, Vansy, I wanted to start with uh, with your guy, Eastern Michigan's Matt Kirk, player of the year in the conference. Not very often. You know, it's, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of the times, uh, whether it be college or professional sports, a lot of times you see someone that gets like a, you know, player of the year MVP or something like that. It's going to be one of the guys on the, on one of the best teams in the conference. Eastern Michigan, I'm not not saying that they had a bad year, but very middle of the pack. But this is a guy that really, really played well for the Eagles this year. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Matt Kirk story. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people are. But what is interesting about him is a year ago, this is a young man from Milford, Ohio. A year ago, he was playing at the University of Toledo. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a transfer into Eastern Michigan. He is the first Eastern Michigan Eagle to uh, win the player of the year honor since Brian Bixer in uh, 2004, I believe it was 04 or 03, um, who was actually a legacy player. His dad and grandpa, I believe had played for the football program, um, led the league in hits 80, 37 nationally. Um, he was first in doubles with 25. Um, his doubles uh, mark 25 doubles for the program record, 17 home runs. That's, that's pretty impressive. Fourth all time in EMU single season uh, history, outstanding performance for him. Uh, you know, just a big bat in the center of that lineup. And I kind of, I had to kind of, you know, I'd followed it quite a bit and I really, you know, I'm like, man, he's having some, some great offensive numbers, you know, some awesome output, but I really kind of, I didn't, I didn't know that they would give it to Mr. Kirk just because of, you know, the EMU team was, you know, kind of middle of the road. So I got to say kudos to the Max Sports. Um, you know, they, I mean, it was voted on by the league's coaches. So I think that means a little bit more, but too often like the Heisman Trophy, and I don't want to go on a tangent, but a lot of these awards have become, well, is your team good? But these are individual awards. So good for this young man, outstanding for him, um, you know, and outstanding for a team in the middle of the pack to get some attention. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, you look at his numbers from the year, Vanzi, and I, I definitely think it's justified. I mean, tied for first in entire Division One for doubles. He had 25 doubles on the season. And he also led the Mac in hits, in doubles, and home runs, in total bases. I mean, this is a guy that did everything for the Eagles this year. So love to see him get a little bit of recognition. Taking a look at some of the other, um, the you know, the postseason awards here, though. Uh, we mentioned Matt Kirk getting player of the year. How about the Ball State pitching staff? Tyler Schweitzer gets pitcher of the year. Ryan Brown gets freshman pitcher of the year. And then also from Ball State, I mean, we got defensive player of the year and Ryan Peltier. And coach of the year, Rich Maloney uh, from Ball State, well-deserved there. He earned his 900th career win uh, this season, uh, now sits at 918 for the Cardinals. 
Banzi, I mean, I, I guess it's it should be expected that you know the, the, the best team in the conference is going to be well represented in these postseason awards. It really shows to go uh, the, the 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 strength of the roster that Rich Baloney has built there in Muncie. Yeah, um, you know, just uh, you know the best team in the conference. I mean, I don't think we can be surprised by that. Um, I think when you look at the uh, you know you know you're talking about the pitcher of the year and then your freshman pitcher of the year and and on down the the list here and I think it's basically it's telling you hey this is a program that's not going anywhere you know they're they're going to be back and they're, they're going to be outstanding probably again next year um, under Rich Maloney so you know as awesome as it is to see some of the lesser teams for lack of a better term get some attention um, it's just as important to honor those teams in the league who had outstanding seasons. And I think the Mac head coaches did a tremendous job doing that. Um, when you look at the all Mac team, you know, several ball state players, uh, Trenton uh, Quartermine, Quartermain, I might pronounce that wrong. Um, Zach Cole, um, you know, and then the, the pitcher of the year and then uh, Sam Klein, a relief pitcher uh, making the first team as well. So a lot of ball state representation. Yeah, certainly. And then the one other um, postseason award winner that I didn't mention there, uh, freshman of the year in the conference, Dylan Navarre of, uh, of Western Michigan, uh, really had, had a nice freshman season for the Broncos, started 53 games, 325 batting average, led, uh, led the Broncos in home runs, doubles, and slugging percentage, uh, second in the MAC with 20 doubles, and uh, also the second highest single season total in Western Michigan program history. So not the best year for the Broncos this year, finished down towards the bottom of the standings, but uh, with, with Dylan Navarre there, perhaps some, uh, some hope for the future for the Broncos. Um, we'll, 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 won't run through all the entire, you know, uh, team, you know, first team, second team, all defense team, all that stuff here that is up on the Mac website. If you want to take a look at it. Uh, but again, you know, as you would expect central Michigan and ball state well represented on these teams, given the seasons uh, that they have had. So, uh, that'll wrap it up for us here this week on the bandwagon. We'll have a full breakdown of the the, the ending of the baseball tournament next week and uh, some other good stuff for you as well. Vanzi, any final thoughts for the for the good of the group here for the for the uh, the uh, the good of the people before we get out of here? Ah, uh, no, not really. Um, you know, just you know, it's enjoy the college sports while we have them. You know, we're gonna have a while without them. Um, college baseball. I I gotta tell you, I think that's one of those things where it's underappreciated. You know, yeah. you get into it and you start watching these games. It's a lot quicker paced than the MLB. Um, a lot more passion really. And I love the MLB, but college baseball game, if you're, a, you know, a, on the fringe baseball fan, the pace and just the, the passion I think will win you over. I, you know, I totally agree with you, Vansy. I, I must admit, uh, I, I, I've watched more college baseball this year than I have in my entire life combined in my first 30 years of my life this year. And uh, I agree. I do. I I'm a casual baseball fan. I enjoy the college baseball product probably a little bit more than I do enjoy the, uh, the MLB product. So it's, it certainly has hooked me and I'm already looking forward to next season, uh, for, you know, obviously we still got some games up here this season too, but it's, it's certainly, uh, it, it'll be that I know it'll be there for me next year to help get me through the spring. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as a Pittsburgh Pirates fan out there, you know, and I'm a Detroit Tigers fan, we're not any better this year. So, you know, hey, that college baseball, I mean, that's going to have to fill that void uh, in our baseball heart, potentially. Yeah, you know, I just had an epiphany when you said that. I realized the reason I think I like college baseball so much this year is because I've been watching college baseball for 30 years as a Pirates fan. You know, I don't I don't even think that – I think the Pirates might be middle of the pack in the Mac if they were in there, man. I don't know. Well, uh, but anyway – that's neither here nor there. Uh, that'll wrap it up for us here this week on the Bandwagon, episode 98. Thank you, as always, for stopping by this week, folks. We appreciate you stopping by and lending us your ears. We look forward to doing it again with you That's this, uh, Excuse me, next week. I am Zach Folder. He is Zach Vanuenzi. This has been episode 98 of the Mac Bandwagon Podcast. Thanks, as always, folks. We'll see you next week.